This is the How Design Live podcast, hosted by programming partner Elise Bennett, national speaker, author of seven business books for creative professionals, and founder of marketing-mentor.com. Listen to her lively conversations with past and future How Design Live speakers about the business of creativity and creativity in business. Here's Elise Bennett. Future Forward is the theme of How Design Live in 2019. So today's episode is about the new way of working as a creative professional. It's not really that new anymore, but it is becoming prevalent, soon to be mainstream. More and more design and advertising firms are moving away from having dedicated employees in one office working on projects and moving toward a more distributed, as they say, team of people working from literally anywhere in the world and collaborating virtually on client projects. Now, certainly there are pros and cons to this arrangement, and there is a price to pay for not having everyone's physical presence in one room in real time. Or perhaps it's old-fashioned of me to think that, and years from now it will be quaint to think people ever work together in a physical sense. That said, this is the trend, and today's podcast interview is with Dave Brown, who has been on all sides of this table, from agency owner to brand owner, and now to owner of a new virtual platform, Brown & Co., The Brand Collective. Listen and learn. Hello, Dave. Welcome to the podcast. Hi there. And please introduce yourself. Well, Elisa, I'm co-founder of Brown & Co., um, a global brand design agency, which we founded in January 2017, a business built on a virtual collective model. And I'm the head of 2D brand design. So my background is in graphic design in CPG specifically. So I'm a graphic designer by profession and uh, also a frustrated chef. (laughs) <laughs> We're going to talk more about design than food today. Yeah. And you've used a lot of jargon there. And I want to make sure everyone understands what we're talking about. So Brown and Co. is a virtual collective. Let's start there. What the heck is a virtual collective? Okay, so we're an agency that um, doesn't exist within um, office space in any one particular area. So all of our collaborators who work for the collective work in many markets around the world, either from their home offices or in we work spaces. It just means that we have the flexibility to connect curated teams of highly skilled professionals in brand strategy, brand design, 3D innovation, or digital, um, specifically for a brand task. So it just means that um, we're not hamstrung, if you like, by office space um, in any one city around the world. Mm-hmm. And this is becoming a more and more common way of working, right? Where people are distributed, whether around the world or around a country or even around a city, but not in an office space. So I'm curious because I think on your website it says the biggest agency in the world or the smallest. How many people are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, big, biggest is probably quite uh, an exaggeration in that respect. But um, currently we have 110 
um, collaborators who are profiled on our database and they have to go through quite a strict and stringent application process uh, depending on their skill set and where they are in the world. But we can call on as few or as many of those individuals depending upon their availability as is necessary for any any brand challenge around the world. And it's growing all of the time. So there's an application uh, to come and join the collective on our website. We can talk about that later. And it seems to be growing on a daily basis. So I think virtual working is nothing new. Um, insurance companies, legal operations, and even some agencies have worked like this for many years. It just feels to me that, um, particularly in the UK, that not many agencies have lifted their head above the parapet to talk about outsourcing creative and creativity. So we don't call our team members in the group freelancers. They're known as collaborators, and they feel as much a part of the business as um, anyone that was full-time. And I think this way of working is driven very much by the gig economy and the uh, desire for creatives in particular to want to be far more flexible in the way that they work. So I'm seeing a lot of growth in in freelance um, pers- people and therefore um, the opportunity to be able to tailor make specific talent uh, fit for purpose for any project on demand. Two questions come to mind and they're kind of different. So I'm going to ask them both and then, you know, answer whichever one you want first and hopefully the next one also. But I'm thinking on the one hand about how this comes about, this, you know, the old, what you call the old agency model and why it's not working and how it is evolving into this new model. But because you were just mentioning the gig economy and the rise of freelancers, which, you know, that's what my business is all about, helping people who are self-employed promote themselves and build their business. And so there are definitely benefits to it, but there is also a lack of security and stability. And so I'm curious if the virtual collective offers any kind of stability or how you think about that need. Okay, so first of all, the collaborators that we have on our database are all extremely talented individuals who um, don't have any problem or seem to have any problem in finding work. So the challenge for us is to ensure that we plan and have visibility on their availability so that when a particular project which is fit for purpose for them, we can assign them to that particular program of work. They will start that and complete that. In terms of protecting them as individuals, they're not treated like freelancers would normally. So, for instance, um, we do have um, benefits that we, uh, that, we, that we propose and pay in terms of um, additional holidays for people that have worked with us, let's say for a three-month period. Then that individual may go on and work um, somewhere else for, for another agency or do their own work. Invariably, the collaborators that we have have got their own portfolios of clients anyway, and when we call upon them, it depends on whether they're busy or not at any one particular time. I think um, what's always frustrated me about the old agency model is trying to resource programs of work with just who was available in the studio at the time rather than who was best for the job. I spent a year whilst I was on garden leave, if you like, interviewing clients 
um, small startup agencies and freelancers, as in as we used to call them, to just find out what their perspectives were on the current agency model. And what came out was very insightful and, and helped us create what we have today. I think um, freelancers in particular or our collaborators want flexibility to work the way that they want to work, when they want to work. And we offer that as a, as a given, as part of the way that we, we operate the business. So, for instance, um, there might be um, individuals who have gone off and, and had a baby and find they can't get back into working full-time because there's inflexibility in the old agency model, whereas working with us, any time in between um, feeding or nursery care or whatever, they still have the opportunity to to work and and that's working well for us at the moment whether that's you know the man or the woman in the in the relationship and you keep re- using the word freelancer with almost it sounds like a negative connotation we don't call them freelancers tell me why what you're thinking around the word freelancer well my experience of using that term when um, i was in a, a network agency was that the freelancers were brought in brought in to do either the things that the um, the local full time team either didn't want to do or couldn't do because they were available weren't available at the time. They were brought in on an ad hoc basis. They were always paid overtime, whereas full time staff were never paid overtime. So there was always a level of resentment there, if you like. So freelancer, in some respects, became a dirty word internally, and and also that they weren't necessarily given client facing opportunity. So in our agency, collaborators are part of the team. They feel like they're full-time and they have um, as much opportunity to run and deliver projects and connect with and engage with clients as anyone that would have been full-time. Also, um, as I said, we we look after our collaborators um, and treat them with a huge amount of respect, probably over and above uh, what you'd expect um, a freelancer to be treated at a bigger agency. And I do want to come around and talk about the clients and their perspective on working this way. But since we're talking now about freelancers, maybe this is also a good time for you to talk more about what you're looking for if you are looking for people to apply to be part of your virtual collective. Well, the the agency was um, set up as a multidisciplinary business from the beginning. So um, Bic um, is my 3D partner and Troy is my strategy partner. So um, integrating strategy, 2D, 3D design, innovation is really important. So we we have individuals applying as structural uh, designers in 3D. We have brand strategists who apply to be part of the collective as well as 2D graphic designers. Currently, uh, the, the majority of our work is in CPG. So there's a lot of packaging design, both from a structural perspective and a 2D identity perspective. But we have an equal balance in some respects of corporate work as well. So it's quite a broad spectrum, if you like, of, of talent that, that approaches us to want to work in this way. We have lots of positive comments uh, saying that thanks for leading the way. This clearly is the future. And um, thanks for um, being very positive and open about it. So if people want to apply, t- tell us now, and we'll do this at the end also, where should they go? So on the website, there is a apply and join us. Um, and then you go through what feels like a very um, 
arduous um, application form, but essentially you upload portfolio, uh, pieces of work. Um, it also asks specific questions about when an individual likes to work, how often they like to work, whether they prefer to have client-facing opportunity or not, and that that all is then profiled and runs into a piece of software that we've developed and are developing. It also then allows us to, um, once that individual, there's quite a lot of the people actually that apply that we've worked with over the years. So um, Bick and I have been in the industry over 30 years each, so we've met quite a few people along the way. And, you know, quite a lot of the old faces who were highly talented are now freelancing and want to be part of the collective as a collaborator. So that's really positive because it just makes the interview process a lot easier because you you've experienced that individual's personality, you know what their skills sets are, their strengths are, their weaknesses are. And for once, we can actually then uh, deploy or um, put, a, put a team together of individuals who are, are passionate about a particular brand, category or product, hence the uh, idea of being fit for purpose. So there is no one having to work on stuff that they don't enjoy and are not particularly passionate about. But it's through www.brownandco.co, and then that's the website link where you'll find uh, the application to join us. And I'm a big proponent of developing personal relationships with prospects. And you are talking about people you've worked with over the years who are part of your collective and are also part of your database. And so when people apply to be part of the database, I would think it would be helpful also to develop a personal relationship with them. So tell me if that's true. And if so, how would they do that once they're accepted? So we, obviously everyone's heard of Skype and, um, but we, we tend to use Zoom more than anything, um, which is a, a voice over internet protocol, video conferencing software. We use that, um, the, well, the analogy I used to make was it's like Thunderbirds. So we're on Tracy Island and, the Thunderbirds dial in and we have a direct link connection. So um, the, the quality of that connection through um, Zoom is amazing. So interviews are done over Zoom. We do meet in person um, on, a, on a regular basis, whether we have a, a team. It's quite easy to find workspace that we can rent and use to have everyone come together for creative workshops, etc., brainstormings. But it's not this sort of um, impersonal relationship that we have we get to know people very well by a facetime video and zoom so let's talk a little bit now about the client perspective because it seems to me and and it sounds like you said you work in consumer packaged goods for the most part so you might want to tell a little a few names of some of the clients perhaps but how do the clients respond do they care do they know that you're way of working is different? Are they attracted to it? Are there certain types of clients who are attracted to it? Sorry, I just threw a lot of questions at you, but answer whichever one seemed most appropriate. You know, well, there's, a, there's a wave of change running through the industry at the moment. And having that year in 2016 to interview clients and get their perspective and insight on what they want for the future was actually critical for us. So um, I heard time and time again that the old agency model was broken it was inflexible 
Um, you weren't guaranteed of having the creative team that you really needed on your business. So therefore, um, you felt shortchanged in some respects. I think um, so far, clients love it. I've used at least three or four of them to help us um, develop this platform in a way that um, works for them. So in terms of the storytelling and uh, the way that we communicate our offer is very much based on um, having client input to do that. I think they, they see it as a breath of fresh air. Having curated teams fit for purpose and passionate about a brand um, and certainly people with experience, it's great. It just means we, we, we have the ability to work quicker. I think that it allows us to pull in better talent so we're working with the best from anywhere in the world, not just the best in an office or a city. I think we get better productivity because we work the way that individuals want to work and the way that they work best without fixed rules. As long as um, the work is of a, of a fabulously high standard and it's delivered to expectations and everyone has fun doing it, that's what it's all about, really. I think we have better solutions because without fixed office space, we work where inspiration is found and where the consumer is and where the brand lives and exists. I think also being better connected, um, being geared up to communicate across the globe, um, we're easy to reach as well. And there is, um, I suppose, one of the most distinctive parts of what we're trying to create here is, and I can't talk too much about it because it's quite confidential, but um, we have a way of um, using technology and a, a particular platform to create something which we think is scalable and that hopefully we can franchise as a, as a new business model for brand agencies for the future. And it just allows clients to be better connected and feel like um, they've got an agency that really cares with true integrity and delivers fantastic solutions and results. I think... Um, it's better value all around. It's a no-brainer, but I don't position the agency as being a, a, a discount um, business by any stretch of the imagination. We save on overheads because we don't have any boutique office space, so the client saves on fees. That's a no-brainer, really. And so far, they love it. So, uh -huh. fingers crossed, we'll, we'll the word will be spread and we'll grow from strength to strength. And what would you say is the biggest challenge to this way of working? Well, the, the, the main challenge um, in working this way is that um, it's better to have a slower start to make sure that you find the right team and it's your first team choice for any particular challenge. But sometimes the individual that you need or individuals you need may not always be available for a quick start if required. So it's balancing that which can be a challenge. It hasn't been a problem yet, but I think as we grow, you may say, well, there's, there's a team of six that I really want to deploy in this particular brand challenge. However, um, we need to start within two weeks and they're not available for four. So that, that would mean a slower start. But I think it's, all, it's better to, to have a slower start with the right people than have a quick finish than have a, a quick start with the wrong people. And I don't think anyone would disagree with you about that. However, it does seem to me lately that the clients are always doing things at the very last minute. Is that your experience too? Yeah, client, I mean, clients want everything uh, quicker, uh, twice as much of the work at half the cost. 
that seems to be the case. But I think the the ability that we have um, and the agility we have to respond has proven to be pretty impressive. I think the great thing about the way that we work, the, the three of us with our specific disciplines, is that we can either act as the composer of the of the work or the conductor of the work of the orchestra. But clients always at least have an interaction with one of the founders of the business on all projects, if not two, if not all three of us. Now, that might change, of course, as the business grows, but currently we've been able to be very much hands-on, if you like, in the development of the work and the programs of work. Okay, I have one last question for you, Dave, and this is about the business development aspect of Brown & Co., because on your website you have a button that says, Challenge Us, and it prompts an email message that is pre-populated with this sentence. We love a good challenge, so please don't be shy. Tell us what's going on for you, and we'll come back with a few thoughts on what to do about it. No commitments, no obligations, and the more context and information you provide, the better we can help. Over to you, and please remember to mention your company name and industry too. So tell me the thinking behind this and how it works. Well, I think the most important um, question to ask any client is, what's the biggest challenge that they face in the market currently? And rather than talking about us and our experience for other brands and other clients, I'm more interested to hear how we can add value and how we can help, given that there might be something that's really troubling an individual. I think if if you're that specific with a client or a particular um, brand, it opens up um, a conversation. It shows that you're interested and and want to know about their business. And then I think um, you have to invest and speculate to accumulate in this business. So unless I invest um, and and commit to trying to look at a problem and seeing how we can help, that's the best way of showing how good we are. Um, sending mailers out and bespoke pieces of work uh, of what we've done for other people is all well and good. But I think there's nothing better than actually to take a challenge head on um, from a client and seeing, let them see in real time how how good we are at responding. That's why we do it. And we've had a few of those so far, which have been really exciting. And how do you deliver these initial ideas then? Is it verbally? Is it in a document? Well, there's no one, there's no one way of doing it. So it depends really on the challenge. It could be that we um, will just outline a, a way that we would approach the problem. We may give some insights into what competitors are doing in the market. Um, we might look at um, their visual equity and um, why it's not perhaps as distinctive as it could be or should be. And we have a point of view on that. And also, we, we, don't, <laughs> we don't give IP away for free, that's for sure. So I think all it's about... Um, so we, we have a particular way of doing things, what if, which is taking a, a brand and looking at if, if, for instance, another category or another brand... Was to, was to look at that. How would it affect the change? How would it be expressed? And that's quite a good way of um, getting um, clients to think differently about the challenge and the problem. So that seems to have worked very positively. 
So, uh, for instance, recently we've been communicating to some paint manufacturers on the back of the Thorndown success and taking a metaphor of, well, if um, paint companies don't particularly market to females in the way that they should do, given that 80% of the decisions made at point of purchase are made by females. Um, and I think that that should be reflected in the tone of voice and the identity and the visual expression of the brand. So we used a metaphor of, so if decorating your house was about a makeover on the inside, you use the metaphor of an analogy of a makeover on the outside. So we took uh, beauty brands and said if any particular beauty brand was to do paint, how would they do it? And that opens up all sorts of interesting angles uh, on without giving the game away for that particular brand to show how we think about the challenge from a different perspective. Interesting. And how much time do you usually invest in this? Um, we can work quite quickly, so uh, 48 hours to turn something like that around. We have a brainstorm session with the brand strategy, 2D, 3D design, and then um, the design team would create that metaphor and we use that to communicate to clients about a particular challenge that we think exists in the market. And that's how paint companies should market to a different, um, a different customer, a different consumer. And if someone sends you one of these email messages with their challenge, are you obligated to deliver or provide the ideas? Or are there situations where you say, you know, this is really not a good fit for us. We're going to pass. Well, we'd make connection for sure, and there there is a there's a go no go set of a ten point no go go criteria that we have, but I need to keep that yes, to myself. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Well, uh, I'm afraid we have run out of time here, Dave. But it's all very interesting. Tell the people where they can find Brown and Co. and also uh, what they should do if they're interested in being part of your collective. Okay. So um, the website is relatively new. It, a new case studies have been uploaded all of the time. But the, um, the URL for our website is brownandco.co. So that's www.brownandco.co. No ampersand, it's A-N-D, and it's not .com, which sometimes yes. causes a few uh, problems I'm for sure. people. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you for sharing, and uh, really good to speak with you. You too, Elise. As I said, Future Forward is the theme of How Design Live in 2019, and we hope to see you in Chicago May 7 through 10. Check out the speaker lineup at howdesignlive.com. And if you like what you hear and want more, subscribe to the How Design Live podcast on iTunes and check out my other podcast at marketingmentorpodcast.com. I'll be back again soon.